The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering a hemorrhage for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see this crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside, and he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, very, as, at this they were overcome with amazement, and he strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Congregation may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts and minds be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It's an interesting story we have here this morning. It's actually two stories, right? One inside of another, which is a well, literary form to use to make us concentrate on what's going on here. There's a lot happening in this story. But my question for you first off is, how many characters are there besides Jesus and the disciples? How many people are in the story? How many? There's an actual, well, there's a kind of a number. There are many in the crowd, right? So there's the crowd. So that's one character, okay? Who are the, what is, what is another one? The father and the mother. And the child, the woman, and then there's one other group. The what? Not yeah, not but yeah, not I'm not I'm saying other than the disciples, but yes, the disciples are there. Yeah, that's the father. That's confusing, right? Jarius, Jarius, the the man who comes to Jesus is the father too, because in the first part of the story. He's, he's called the, the leader of the synagogue. In the second part of the story, Jesus says he took the father, which is the same person as the leader, right? So let's not get confused by those details. The people wailing, thank you. The, the professional mourners are there, right? They're wailing and, and crying because 
the, the little girl has died. So there's a, there's a little cast of characters here happening, right? And to, and to set this story up here, we've got we to gotta understand what's happening. Jesus, it says at the beginning, Jesus crossed over the sea again. So last, last week or last chapter, Jesus was on the other side of the sea, right? We're now in Jerusalem, we're now in, or we're now in Jewish territory. Last week, Jesus was in the Gentile territory. So this this story shows us that Jesus has not only come for one group of people, but he's come for for many groups of people, right? So he's crossed back over the sea, and when he gets out of the boat, there's a huge group gathered around him. Can you imagine it? I know it's really hard. We haven't been in big groups for like 18 months, but can you imagine being in a... That was a joke, people. Come on. (laughs) Right? He's in this big crowd of people, and then Jairus comes in, who is the leader of the synagogue, who, who some say is, is in charge of ritual cleanliness. You think that's important for this story? Probably, just a little bit. Right? Jarius comes and says, my daughter's dying. Can you come and, and touch her and lay hands on her? Because that'll heal her, right? We, we have an understanding of the power that Jesus has and the things that Jesus can do that other people aren't able to do. And, and Jairus, even as a leader of the synagogue, understands that this teacher is from God and has a certain amount of power that can do something for his daughter. He has faith that Jesus can heal his daughter. And so Jesus says yes, and they're walking, and they're in this big crowd of people, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus feels something happen. And he stops, and he says, who touched me? Right? You've been in those crowds before, right? Like, who hasn't touched you? And that's exactly what the disciples say to Jesus. They're like, what are you talking about, man? Everybody is touching you. Everybody is touching everybody else. There's no way that we can tell who's touching who. But the question I have for you is, did Jesus ask who touched him because Jesus didn't know? Or is this kind of like the question that God asked Adam when he was walking in the garden? Where are you? Right? I talked about this four weeks, three weeks ago when I was here, right? Um, God didn't ask Adam in the garden where he was because God didn't know. God knows where Adam was. It's just like the same question in the next chapter when God asked Cain, where is Abel? God wasn't asking where Abel was. He knew where Abel was. He's asking for the answer. Jesus says, who touched me? Not because he doesn't know what happened. Because he wants to see what's going to happen. Right? There's this huge crowd. They're going to the the synagogue leader's house. And there's this huge crowd around Jesus. And all of a sudden, somebody touches him. And if there's this huge crowd around him, and we know who this person is, can she actually be present in the crowd? See, those are things that we need to remember, too. This woman... Right? Because who has a name in this story? Jarius, the leader in the synagogue, whoever he is, we know his name. What about the woman? She doesn't have an. What about the daughter? We don't know what their names are. And this woman doesn't actually even get a good representation from our translation, right? They kind of talked about this this morning in the, the adult Bible study, about how translations sometimes don't hit the mark. 
Well, this is one of them. It talks about this. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years, right? She's been bleeding for 12 years, which means a few things right off the top of the, the, the mark before we even get any further. We have to understand that because she's hemorrhaging, she is unclean, which means if she has a family, she can cook for them, but they can't eat it. If she has a husband, she can't sleep in the same bed, let alone the same room with him. She's not allowed to be in public. She's not allowed to be in crowds. She's not allowed to really do anything because she's unclean. And therefore, she's going to make everybody else unclean, right? Anybody that touches her or gets near her is going to be unclean. And this is, this is what you have to think about. Can you see my wrist? How there's, the people in the front can, the people in the back may not be able to. You'll see it when I come around and give you communion. But my, on my wrist, there's like dry skin and there's a couple red blotches, right? This would, I, I, they would call me a leper if they saw this in Jesus' time and I would be unclean and I wouldn't be able to be here leading worship. I wouldn't be able to be doing anything like that because they were worried about you making somebody else unclean. So, so she's not supposed to be where she is, but she is. Because she had heard that if she just touched Jesus' cloak, right? She just touched even the hem of his cloak, right? Even this part way down here. If I just touch this, I know that I'll be made well. Right? But it says there was a woman who had a hemorrhage. She'd endured much under many physicians, right? We add a lot to this English here to make it sound good. But it doesn't sound like this in the original. She suffered under many physicians. She'd spent all the money that she had. And she, she didn't get better. She was getting worse. So she came up behind Jesus. And the only verb in the whole sentence there, from that first part where it says, now there was a woman, the only verb in all of that sentence is, she came up behind him and she touched him. She knew if she touched Jesus, she would be made well, right? We, we talk about this passage of Scripture and we say, well, Jesus did a bad thing. Jesus touched this woman who was unclean. Jesus didn't do anything here, people. Jesus was walking in the crowd trying to get to Jairus' house so he could raise, help cure his daughter. And as he's walking, he realizes that somebody touched him. And he says, who touched me? And then the interesting thing in this story that we overlook and was also brought up in the... If you all don't go to the adult Bible study, you need to go because there's a lot of good stuff happening in there. There's this part of this that we're going to get to here again came up in there this morning. right? Immediately when she touched Jesus, her hemorrhage stopped and she knew what was happening. So did Jesus. And Jesus said, who touched me? And, and the disciples are like, there's no way we can tell who touched you. Everybody's touching everybody else. I don't understand what you really want us to do here. The woman knows, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Can you imagine what the world would be like if everybody told the whole truth? I'll give you a moment to think about that. How great it would be if we all told the whole truth. 
she told the whole truth. And Jesus looks at her and calls her. What does he call her? It's right there in black and white if you need to look. Daughter. Right? She still doesn't have a name. But she has a title. And that title is daughter. Which means you now have rights and privileges because you're part of the family. Right? Daughter. And here's another place where the, where the translation goes bad. So I'm going to read it to you the way that I think it should have been translated. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace, healed of your disease. Right? She knew that if she could touch Jesus, that she would be cured. And she touched Jesus, and she was cured. And then Jesus said, what happened? And she came to him because she was afraid of what was going to happen to her. Because she touched Jesus, which makes Jesus unclean. And anybody close would have, would have been unclean too. But she comes and she says, I knew that if I would have just reached out and barely touched you, that, you're, that you would heal me of everything that's been going on in my life. And he said, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You are healed. Now, did you hear the way that I said that? She knew that if she touched him, that she would be cured. But he said to her, you are healed. So my question for you this morning is, is there a difference between being cured and being healed? I have a friend in Victoria, Texas, who is a pastor that was the pastor at a congregation before I got there. Um, and he's a wonderful man um, and does all kinds of, of wonderful ministry in Victoria. And when I moved to Victoria in 2009, he had just resigned his call as pastor at the congregation that I came to be pastor at because he was diagnosed with ALS, right? ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, has a five-year life sentence, right? Most people with ALS die within five years. That was, remember I said that was 2008 he got that diagnosis? Um, I saw a video that he posted yesterday that he's doing laps in his wheelchair to help raise money for ALS research. He's still alive. He's still doing things. And he has been healed. Because he knows beyond the shadow of a doubt who he belongs to and what family he is part of. He will be cured of his ALS once the, the final fulfillment of the kingdom of God comes into place. But until that point in time, he lives a healed life in a body that doesn't really know what's going on. And that's where we have to understand this story. Jesus saw this woman and knew what her faith was. And because of her faith, she was able to be healed and cured of her disease. And then Jesus went on to go to Jairus' house and we could talk again for another 10, 20 minutes about the, the line that the professional worship, the professional mourners give Jesus when he goes to the house, right? When Jesus says, why are you doing this? Um, why are you mourning over this little girl? Because she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they 
laughed at him. How many times have we laughed at God? Because we don't know what God is able to do. Or we don't think God can do something when, when God can do whatever God wants to do. There's a couple other lines that, we need, that I need to make sure that you see here because this is, a, this is that, that interesting passage of why is this woman cured and healed and why are my friends who are suffering with whatever not healed and cured? And that's the, that's the reason I bring up my friend uh, with ALS because while he's not cured, he's healed. And healing comes in many different ways. And the last, I want to draw your attention to that last line of Lamentations, right? Where it says, God, I can't get my bulletin open. No, it doesn't say that. Um, Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to, to the abundance of his steadfast love. And this is a part we need to remember. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. God does not cause those things to happen. Well, you can ask, well, pastor, then why do they happen? Because they happen, right? We live in a world that is already but not yet. We live in a world that is full of sin and full of, of, of grace, right? And there are things that happen in our lives that are, that are I don't want to say out of God's control, but, but not under God's control. God is always with us, regardless of our circumstances. And God does not willingly afflict us in any way, shape, or form. God doesn't do those things to us. God walks in and through those things with us, right? And then in the psalm, it says that sorrow is, comes for the night. Weeping may spend the night, but joy comes in the morning. And the literal translation of that verse, the word that it talks about sorrow or the morning um, or weeping, is, is the literal word there says it is literally spend the night. That is the literal translation of that word. Weeping may spend the night. Weeping is going to come and spend the night. Sorrow is going to be with us for tonight. But then the next part, the literal translation is, but in the morning, joy. Tomorrow it's going to be gone. Right? And that's the fulfillment of God's kingdom. When that time finally comes and Christ returns to take us to be with God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, for all of the rest of eternity that is the morning. And in that morning, there is joy beyond all understanding. And it says that, where else was that? You turned my wailing into dancing. You've put off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Right? No matter what it is we're going through, be like the woman and know that no matter how little of a touch you get onto the hem of Jesus' cloak, that that's going to be enough to make sure that you're part of the grace that God has given to each and every one of us. Because that's what it's truly about. Living in a place where we have to wear masks that we don't want to, where we have to do things that we don't want to because we're trying to help other people, but knowing that in the end that God's love and mercy and grace will always abound. And fulfill what God has told us is going to happen. I will return. And you will be with me for all of eternity. Never lose sight of that. And know that God is always with you.